so even if we start the petition process and it takes eight weeks, right. Right. he won't be able to vote. Right. right. He won't be able to vote. Other than that, it's all fine. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. That's why. I got the feeling that something ain't right. No, it ain't. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Yep. Yes, I'm stuck in the from Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in L.A. In Oregon on 91.7 FM KYAQ on the Central Coast at 106.7 FM Queso in Cottage Grove. In Lancaster, Pennsylvania on 93 FM WLRI News Radio. In Hawaii on 88.5 FM KAKU, the voice of Maui. In Columbus, Ohio, on WGRN 94.1 FM, the Green Renaissance Network. In Palinville, New York, on WLPP 102.9 FM. And in Minneapolis, St. Paul, on AM 950 KTNF, the progressive voice of Minnesota. Hey, folks in Minnesota, can you go next door over to Wisconsin and straighten them out over there? They, they could use it. Uh, also, coast to coast around the globe, we are streaming as ever on the Progressive Voices channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, GDPR, Revolution 99, Detour Talk, Radio Monterey, and Radio Sputnik. Blanketing Planet Earth, five days a week, I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow, says me from bradblog.com. Not that I've been warning you. Not that I've been warning you about all of this for a while. Well, we'll get to that in a minute. Is it over yet, Desi Doyen? Is this <laughs> is this election over yet? No, at long last, our long uh, national nightmare is, is still, still going on. Still not over. Oh man, please wake me when this is over. I I'm I got to tell you, I'm already exhausted, and uh, we've got still just what a little less than forty days now until the election uh, until election day. Never mind for the moment what may happen. Thereafter, yes, I said it, thereafter, God help us all. Uh, anyway, uh, we'll get to <laughs> we'll get to all of that in a moment. Coming up, Desi Doyen, uh, you the, you may have the most sane part of today's program. I'm just saying that in <laughs> That's advance. That's a sad state of I affairs. I know it is. The uh, Green News Report, our, uh, our wrap on this week's presidential, uh, or on the Monday's uh, presidential debate up in Hofstra University as it concerns the environment and uh, and climate and everything else such as it made its way into the uh, into the presidential debate. Also, uh, big coal is trying to take on uh, Obama's landmark power plant emission standards in federal court. Will they be successful? Um, well, We'll get to that in the Green News Report, I guess. <laughs> Just you wait. Uh, coming up, uh, we spent quite a bit of time on our on our last episode looking at Donald Trump's blatant sp- and speaking of federal courts here, uh, looking at our our, our last uh, in our last episode, we were looking at Donald Trump's blatant violations of law by his by his businesses. For example, most recently, as we've learned, spending money on Cuba during the height of the U.S. embargo in violation of federal law there. 
repeated violations of laws concerning uh, concerning tax exempt uh, nonprofits uh, with his supposed charitable organization, which he used as a slush fund, it seems, to pay off his personal and business legal obligations. That would be a violation of the law. And as uh, appears likely, uh, he used that charitable organization to receive income without without paying taxes on it. <laughs> so, of course, we don't know because he won't release his taxes. But uh, as he seemed to admit at that debate, uh, he, he doesn't pay federal income taxes, which he would have had to do on this money that he received uh, as payment for work that he did to his charitable foundation. They're allowed to he's allowed to say, hey, don't pay me, pay my foundation instead. That's fine. But he's got to pay federal taxes on that income taxes on that. And uh, we don't know if he did or didn't. It appears that he didn't. Now, all of that is by way of contrast, as we as we noted on yesterday's program, with his calls for restoring law and order. He's all about restoring law and order to the U.S., but apparently only the laws that don't affect him, only laws that apply to some people in this country, not to the moneyed elite like Donald Trump himself. But. Donald Trump is not alone here in being a, a, a scoff law, in talking about law and order, and then, uh, you know, not actually giving a damn about it, at least when it regards him. Republicans who are running states across the country uh, now appear to be doing the very same thing. The most recent example is in the state of Wisconsin, where we've got new reports today that seem to suggest that the state's uh, Scott Walker's uh, Republican uh, legislature up there. Uh, that the state is now blatantly violating a promise that they had made to the federal district court that voters who did not have the state mandated photo ID for voting under the uh, under the new law that was uh, passed by uh, Republicans signed by Republican Governor Scott Walker, that even if you didn't have that ID, you would still be able to get them very easily and quickly from any local DMV. That's what they told the Seventh Circuit uh, Court of Appeals, when it looked like the Seventh Circuit Court of Appeals might strike down that law just a few weeks ago. But the state told them, oh, no, no, it's OK. Anybody who shows up to the DMV will will get an ID. And uh, now it looks like they were lying. And of course, that would make Wisconsin just the latest state to have violated recent court orders and agreements in regard to uh, to voting restrictions. Texas did the same thing. Kansas, Secretary of State Kobach there. We'll hopefully we'll talk about that in a bit. Anyway, more on all of this in a minute with Kathleen Unger. She's the president of VoteWriters.org, who have been accompanying accompanying. Wisconsin voters at the DMV to make sure that they're able to get those IDs needed for voting. And as the state had recently promised the court that they would be. Well, what? how do you think this story ends up, uh, Desi Doyen? Ari Berman uh, <laughs> covered this uh, yesterday in an exclusive, which has actually resulted in court action today. Ari Berman over at The Nation. We were hoping to have him on today. And at the last second, he got stuck on a plane. Yes, yes, he said his plane was delayed, and he called from the plane to say, I'm so sorry, we can't do this today. Nonetheless, Kathleen Unger will be joining us from Vote Riders, and it is Vote Riders who has been uh, on the ground there in Wisconsin uh, discovering the fact that the state has uh, seemingly lied. Lied to the federal court. So we'll see where that uh, issue is and uh, who is actually going to be able to vote in Wisconsin and who won't. In the meantime, uh, who should you vote for? Well... 
Uh, the Dallas Morning News has uh, endorsed Hillary Clinton for the first time in about half a century that they uh, did not endorse the uh, Republican candidate. The Arizona Republic endorsed Hillary Clinton for the first time in their 126-year history. The Detroit Free Press did the same in, I think, their 150-year history for the first time. Now, for the first time, USA Today, while they haven't endorsed Clinton, They've endorsed not voting for Trump, and they've done so in no uncertain terms. This is the first time that USA Today, as they point out, has ever taken sides in a race. They say in the 34-year history of USA Today, the editorial board has never taken sides in the presidential race. Instead, we've expressed opinions about the major issues and haven't presumed to tell our readers who have a variety of priorities and values who they should, uh, who, who, which choice is best for them. Because every presidential race is different, we revisit our no-endorsement policy every four years. We've never seen reason to alter our approach until now. This year, the choice isn't between two capable major party nominees who happen to have significant ideological differences. This year, one of the candidates, Republican nominee Donald Trump, is by unanimous consensus of the USA Today editorial board, quote, unfit for the presidency. Wow. From the day he declared his candidacy 15 months ago through this week's first presidential debate, Trump has demonstrated repeatedly that he lacks the temperament, knowledge, steadiness and honesty that America needs from its president. Um, it's incredible. They go on to uh, summarize a list of the problem. They've been uh, editorializing against Donald Trump and against Hillary Clinton now for some months. But they summarize the reasons that they are now that they have now decided that Trump is unfit for the presidency and they're telling people to vote against him. He is erratic. They write Trump has been on so many sides of so many issues that attempting to assess his policy positions is like shooting at a moving target. He is ill-equipped to be commander-in-chief. Trump's foreign policy pronouncements typically range from uninformed to incoherent. He traffics in prejudice from the beginning. Trump has built his campaign on appeals to bigotry and xenophobia. His business career is checkered, which is a really nice way of putting it, by the way, uh, USA Today, to say it's checkered. Checkered at the very least. And, and they start by noting that the whole thing started back in 1973 when, with a, a Department of Justice lawsuit against Trump and his father for systematically discriminating against blacks in housing rentals. Uh, the Trumps fought that and they ended up paying a, a, a huge settlement in that case. Admitting no wrongdoing, but of course it was wrongdoing. And uh, he's uh, had to file six bankruptcies ever since. The idea that he's a successful businessman is remarkable that anyone could even make that argument if you actually bother to look at his career. They go on to write, he isn't leveling with the American people. As Trump is rich, as he says, no one knows, in part because... Alone among major party presidential candidates for the past four decades, he's refused to release his tax tax returns. He speaks recklessly. Oh, you think <laughs> uh, he has coarsened the national dialogue? Did you ever imagine they write that a presidential candidate would discuss the size of his genitalia during a nationally televised Republican debate? Oh, you know, I I don't even know if it's fair to to blame Donald Trump for coarsening the national dialogue. That has been where our national dialogue has been going, thanks in no small part to, well, talk radio, Fox News, 
for many years, I think Donald Trump is just, uh, you know, just essentially repeating what he hears like a child, like a child who hears what uh, their parents say and they go off and, and repeat it. That's exactly what Donald Trump does when he hears from, uh, you know, Rush Limbaugh and Fox News and everyone else. But not what the experts say. It sounds like he listens what's you know going on in the background of the TV when well, he's they, watching. They but... don't put experts on exactly. Fox News. If they were experts, they would be on a real news station. They go on to say he's a serial liar. When confronted with a falsehood, for example, such as his assertion that he was against the Iraq war, Trump's reaction is to use the big lie technique of repeating it so often that people begin to believe it. Of course, the the big lie technique made famous by Nazi Germany. Anyway, they go on to say our bottom line advice for voters is this. Stay true to your convictions. That might mean a vote for Clinton, the most plausible alternative to Trump to keep Trump out of the White House. Or it might mean a third party candidate or a write in or a focus on down ballot candidates who will serve the nation honestly, try to heal its division and work to solve its problems. But whatever you do, they write, resist the siren song of a dangerous demagogue. By all means, vote just not for Donald Trump. Do you think it will make any difference? What USA Today says? Or what any of these newspapers well, uh, say. I mean, it's it's remarkable that he's received zero newspaper endorsements so from far. From major uh, dailies, yeah. But does anybody, does it, do any of his voters care? Do any of the so-called undecided, whoever they might be, do they care? Well, here's one, one place that it may make a difference. And that is uh, Donald Trump's reaction to USA Today refusing to in- endorse him. Or actually, I don't know what you even call that. Unendorsing him, not endorsing Anti-endorsement. him. Anti endorsing <laughs> him. Yeah. Uh, it's going to make him even crazier than he is already. And he, because he can't help himself, because he is a child. And uh, he's doing exactly that on Twitter. He was doing that on Twitter all night long. Uh, he, he started with, uh, you know, he's he's been freaking out about these newspapers, calling on his uh, on his followers to uh, unsubscribe from the Dallas Morning News, from the Arizona Republic. That, of course, all of these conservative Republican leaning papers are somehow, you know, the liberal media. And now he's doing the same thing with USA Today. He's going crazy and he's up all night on the Twitters doing exactly that. He has uh, attacked. He was up all night. This is at uh, 214 a.m. This morning, I guess, or Friday morning, um, uh, tweeting, wow, crooked Hillary was duped and used my worst Miss Universe. Hillary floated her as an angel without checking her past, which is terrible. He's talking about Alicia Machado, who Hillary Clinton brought up in the uh, uh, in, in the, the debate. In the debate, apparently she gained some weight after becoming Miss Universe right after Donald Trump had taken over that pageant, had purchased that pageant, uh, and then Donald Trump apparently, and Trump has not denied this, uh, you know, started calling her Miss Piggy and Miss Housekeeping. She was from Venezuela. She's a Latina. Miss Housekeeping. Um, And then he's been doubling down on it ever since, which is amazing. You would think he would want this to go away. So uh, he tweeted in the middle of the night, 2.15 a.m., about Alicia Machado saying that she has a checkered past, actually going after someone who is, by the way, an American citizen now who intends to vote, apparently intends to vote against Donald Trump. 
He went on to tweet, Using Alicia Machado in the debate as a paragon of virtue just shows that crooked Hillary suffers from bad judgment, in all caps. (laughs) Hillary was set up by a con. Well, nobody has uh, so far put anything forward to uh, show that Alicia Machado is a con in any way. But here's the one that's really amazing. Now now we're at 2.30 a.m. Donald Trump tweets, Did crooked Hillary help disgusting... And he puts in in uh, in parentheses, check out sex tape and past Alicia Machado become a U.S. citizen so she could use her in in the debate. Well, no evidence of that. No evidence that he helped her become that she helped her become a citizen. Even if she did, I don't know what would be wrong with that. But claiming that she has a sex tape now, Snopes check this out. Right. And um, this apparently uh, the, the sex tape. It's, it's not clear what they're referring to. She was in some risque Spanish reality TV show back in 2005. Uh, but Snopes determined that she does not appear in these uh, porn videos that seem to be referenced. She did pose for Playboy, which, as you know, disqualifies her from being an American <laughs> or something. I don't know. Uh, and then he goes on to say, uh, Donald Trump, anytime you see a story, anytime you see a story about me or my campaign saying, quote, sources said, do not believe it. There are no sources. They are just made up lies. So uh, the middle of the night last night, he's tweeting Hillary Clinton, of course, had a response uh, today, says uh, this is unhinged even for Trump. And then she goes off on a tweet storm of her own. Uh, What kind of man stays up all night to smear a woman with lies and conspiracy theories? Alicia deserves praise for courageously standing up to Trump's attacks. And he has the gall to blame her and say he helped. Apparently he's saying he was helping her when he took her on this uh, publicity tour, showing her working out at gyms and telling people that she gained a massive amount of weight. That that was helping her, according to Donald Trump, uh, who loves women, by the way. He loves women. He keeps telling us. Yeah, it's got to be true. Uh, when something gets under Donald's thin skin, says the uh, Clinton Twitter account, he lashes out and can't let go. This is dangerous for a president. Uh, and that is, of course, what USA Today was talking about, whether you like it or not. And uh, to uh, the she writes to Donald uh, to Donald, women like Alicia are only as valuable as his personal opinion about their looks. And they go on to cite that L.A. Times article we talked about in the previous broadcast. Um, that uh, restaurant hostesses who were not pretty enough at one of his golf clubs out here in California were told that they should be fired and replaced with more attractive women. (laughs) Hillary goes on to say Trump obsessively bullies Rosie O'Donnell, an accomplished actor. He insulted Kim Kardashian for her weight when she was pregnant. Pathetic, they say. We've heard Donald's insults for years, and his policies reflect disregard, even contempt for women. I can't believe we even have to report on this stuff. But this is what's going on. This is what is going on 40 days out of a presidential election here in these United States. I've wrestled with how to cover this election. I have no idea how to do it. I'd love to ignore it completely. But the fact of the matter is someone like Donald Trump uh, could very well, as crazy as he is, as crazy as he sounds, could very well be the next president of the United States, no matter what the polls tell you. And we'll have more on that right after this. I'm Brad Friedman, and this is your Bradcast.
Hi, this is Desi Doyen from the Green News Report and the Bradcast, both brought to you without corporate or political influence. Why? Because we rely on you to help keep us completely independent. Please drop by bradblog.com donate today and help us stay on your public airwaves. That's bradblog.com donate. You'll thank yourself later. I'll thank you now. All right, welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Well, uh, while the polls look like they uh, may be, just may be, opening up a bit in Hillary Clinton's direction following last Monday's first presidential debate up in New York, uh, which we have described on this program over the past week as a Trump wreck for the Republican nominee, We've also tried to keep reminding you that all of the polls that you are seeing are based on the premise that those uh, considered to be likely voters in those polls are actually going to be allowed to cast their vote somehow in the first place. Uh, but as we've reported for many, many months, and I should say well over a decade here and at bradblog.com, there is... Uh, no certain bet that those uh, folks will be able to vote at all. Particularly, this is true for many minority, student, and poor voters who have been found to, uh, to have been disproportionately discriminated against by Republican photo ID voting restrictions in state after state, controlled by GOP legislatures and governors. Millions of legally registered voters would not be able to cast a vote at all under these laws. We're talking about people who are already re voters who are legally registered. And yet suddenly they, under these laws, they won't be able to vote. Many of them, tens of thousands in uh, in many different states. Now, in recent weeks, as we've reported here, uh, we've seen a bit of sort of good news on that front. For example, swing state North Carolina's massive voter suppression law has been largely struck down uh, after federal appeals court found the provisions of their law, including a photo ID voting restriction, were created specifically and purposely in order to target African-Americans with almost surgical precision. That is a quote from the court. Uh, in Texas, the most conservative appeals court in the land, the Fifth Circuit, found that the state's photo ID voting restriction down there also disproportionately discriminated against minority voters. And that court ordered the state to allow voters to sign a declaration stating that they faced a reasonable impediment to getting one of the few government issued uh, photo IDs now allowed under the uh, under the state's Republican enacted law. So in theory, even if you didn't have the uh, newly required photo ID down in Texas, you'd be able to vote by signing this affidavit. That said, the state then almost immediately, like within the next week or so, uh, the, the state promptly violated their court ordered agreement, which they had signed uh, just a week or so earlier. And they had to be ordered once again by the federal court to follow that agreement. Then we move up to Wisconsin where they also had uh, Republicans there had put in a similar photo ID voting restriction law. And though several courts found time and again that the state's law was in violation of the Federal Voting Rights Act, uh, the attempt to block their photo ID law up there before the November election was put on hold after the state guaranteed 
guaranteed the Seventh Circuit Court of Appeals that new procedures at Wisconsin's DMVs would allow anybody who came in to one of the offices to receive an ID to allow them to vote this November. They would get this ID in the mail within six business days. All they had to do was come in uh, and ask for it. And so the court did not strike down that law or soften it as uh, one of the lower courts had uh, had decided to allow, like in Texas, a, a, a signature signing an affidavit saying that swearing that you are who you say you are uh, and that you could not get an ID for various reasons. But they said, no, no, you can keep that in place because now the DMV has this new uh, allowance to make sure any voter can get a uh, an ID so long as they can get to a DMV in the first place. Well, you will be shocked to learn, as Ari Berman reported on Thursday at The Nation, that that's not happening. The DMV is not issuing IDs as the state had promised the federal court. Here's an audio clip from Molly McGrath. Uh, she's the national campaign coordinator from the nonpartisan votewriters.org. Uh, they are voting rights group. Uh, Molly McGrath here is speaking to two employees at a Wisconsin DMV this week about the problems that voters are facing getting their IDs as had been promised by the state in those court hearings. I'm just wondering how that would work. Like for like if you initiate the petition process, do you get an ID no, for no, voting? No, anything right away. You don't get anything. Okay, so just so even if we start the petition process and it takes eight weeks, right, right. he won't be able to vote. Right. Well, I don't know. They're working on that. So I, it's kind of up in the air right now. So um, if you want more information, we get you to the supervisor out there at window three. Why don't we do that? Oh, man. Eight weeks? We don't know? Unbelievable. On Wednesday at The Nation, Ari Berman's report on all of this begins with the story of a fellow by the name of Zach Moore. He's a 34-year-old African-American man. He moved from Chicago to Madison last year. He worked at a car wash and a landscaping job before breaking his leg and becoming unemployed. He stayed with his brother for a while. He's now homeless uh, in Madison, Wisconsin. On September 22nd, that was this just over a week ago, this year, September 22nd, he went to the DMV to get a photo ID for voting as required by Wisconsin's strict voter ID law, he brought his Illinois photo ID, a social security card, a pay stub for proof of residence, but he didn't have a copy of his birth certificate, which he had, uh, which, which he had misplaced, or it had been misplaced by his sister in Illinois, according to Ari Berman. So the DMV wouldn't give him an ID for voting. He said, I'm trying to get a Wisconsin ID so I can vote, he told the DMV. I don't have my birth certificate, but I've got everything else. Under Wisconsin law, the DMV should have given Moore a credential so he could use it for voting uh, within six business days. But that never happened. They told him to, quote, drive down there to Illinois and get a birth certificate and come back. That would cost more uh, money that he didn't have. He en entered what was uh, what the state called um, the ID petition process, but that could take six to eight weeks for him to get a voter ID, and he most likely won't be able to vote by election day. He said, "I'm disappointed in the government. I guess they're trying to keep people from voting." Yeah, you think? Uh, Berman uh, goes on to report that 9% of registered voters in Wisconsin do not have a valid voter ID. 
It appears, he says, that Wisconsin is violating multiple court orders by not promptly giving eligible citizens free IDs or certificates for voting. This, he adds, is particularly concerning since early voting began this week in cities like Madison and Milwaukee and thousands of Wisconsinites are now casting ballots. Here to talk about all of this is the president of VoteWriters.org. They are doing a terrific job of uh, of uh, helping uh, the folks up in Wisconsin and helping the media to understand what is actually going on with these laws. VoteWriters.org is a nonpartisan, nonprofit organization dedicated to making sure that no eligible citizen is denied his or her right to vote for a lack of photo ID. The group focuses specifically on states with government-issued voter ID laws or that require documentary proof of citizenship to register to vote. Uh, I guess Kathleen Unger is busy this year. Hey, Kathleen, welcome to the broadcast. Thank you very much, Brad. Uh, great to have you here. And uh, OK, so explain to me what we are hearing in that phone call between Molly McGrath of, of Vote Riders and those Wisconsin DMV employees uh, saying, uh, no, you, you basically you, you got it wrong. It's uh, you can't get an ID immediately. It's going to take weeks. Explain that. What the hell is going on there? Right. Well, uh, uh, Wisconsin has, as you mentioned, mm -hmm. uh, something they call the ID petition process. Mm -hmm. So uh, that was set up for people who don't have uh, an original or certified copy of their birth certificate and other documents that they need in order to get a free voter ID. So uh, as a result of various lawsuits, mm -hmm. uh, the, the, the court had ordered the state to enable registered Wisconsin voters to initiate, to start the process with this ID petition process. Mm -hmm. Bring whatever documents you have to the DMV, mm -hmm. and the DMV is required to mail within six business days a receipt, a mm -hmm. temporary receipt, uh, that has stamped on it that this can serve uh, as a voter ID for this November's election. And it was that guarantee from the state that this would be the new process that led that uh, uh, federal appeals court, which might have uh, voted to either strike down or at least soften the law by you know, allowing voters to sign an affidavit at the polling place. It right. was that guarantee by the state uh, that led that uh, federal court to say, okay, it's fine as is as long as the DMV uh, d d does this and, and, and speedily sends out th these IDs in six days, correct? That is correct. And uh, I'm delighted to report that the judge mm -hmm. who had ordered the state to do this mm -hmm. reads the newspapers, and upon learning of this problem mm -hmm. at the DMV, that, that would appear to be the lack of a proper and, and consistent training of the clerks there, the folks who work there, uh, this federal judge has ordered the state to investigate what happened uh, and to uh, report back to the judge by October 7th what happened and what the state's going to do to overcome this. And what's especially interesting about this is that that this judge you know created and filed this order mm -hmm. 
uh, it's called Sua Sipante. It's it, all on his own. Right. None of the parties uh, filed anything with the court. The court saw what happened and said, okay, <laughs> I'm not going to wait <laughs> until, yeah. uh, you know, there are filings. Uh, let's get to the bottom of this. Yeah, I had actually planned to ask you, uh, you know, Sorry. if you or the other group, no, no, if you or the other groups were, you know, were going to, you know, had gotten back to court yet, and then I saw this news today that the judge, uh, that sua sponte order, that's essentially on his own motion. Uh, he made a motion and answered it by requiring uh, the, the state here to explain what the hell is going on. That's the good news, the, the disturbing news. Uh, Kathleen Unger, is that they don't have to report until October 7. That's next uh, Wednesday, I guess, coming up. But we're getting closer and closer, and this process itself is going to take time, even if it does work as it's supposed to. It would still take up to six days. Um, and it's not only going on in Madison, as your, uh, in Madison, as your uh, organization found, vote writers uh, found, and uh, Ari Berman reported, uh, overall, he says only three of 10 DMVs uh, that Molly McGrath went to had assured her that the uh, that the ID would arrive in a week or less, as the state law requires. Only three of 10 DMVs. So this was actually uh, volunteers for vote riders who went mm-hmm. around to different DMVs throughout the state. And this is uh, and this is what they reported back. This, uh, I, I mean, this seems to me to be a blatant. I mentioned it in the, at the top of the show, uh, at the top of the segment concerning Texas. This seems to me to be a, a a blatant snub at the court. They the state says one thing, then does another. They did this in Texas. They seem to be doing it in Wisconsin. Do you have any reason to believe, Kathleen Unger, that this is? Something other than what we see it to be, uh, them simply not doing what they had promised when it comes to these uh, photo, photo ID laws. I see it as the state not taking their obligation as uh, seriously and responsibly as they should and as the uh, court clearly feels that they should. And so, to your point... You know, time is fleeing, and what is the best mm-hmm. alternative? What What is the solution? Well, I don't know that the court is going to come up with this on, it, on his own, mm-hmm. but uh, what we would love to see would be his ruling that, okay, the state has to create a, uh, an affidavit, as you mentioned mm-hmm. earlier, uh, for... Uh, voters who don't have one of the limited types of, of IDs to sign that where they're swearing that they are who they say they are. And, uh, you know, it's under penalty of perjury. And mm-hmm. then the individual would, would be given a regular ballot to vote. That's, <laughs> that's what, uh, personally, I would like to, to see happen. But the, the Supreme Court... No, I was going to say the Supreme Court, Kathleen, uh, the U.S. Supreme Court has said over the past few elections, they've got something called the Purcell principle, where they don't like to change the law. Uh, Frankly, they've refused uh, to change election laws when it comes too close to right before the election. I think we are now right before the election uh, with, uh, you know, early voting already begun. 
So there's a question, uh, even in this case where you've got this bad law and this bad compliance, there's a question of whether the U.S. Supreme Court would be willing to allow a, a last-minute change in the law like that, no? Correct. However, we also know that the court ideologically is split 50-50. So it potentially would rest with the Seventh Circuit, which right. is which is a pretty conservative circuit, mm -hmm. court of appeal. Uh, you know, uh, other people have been writing today about the uh, possible alternative of putting the, the you know, uh, whether it's the attorney general of the state of Wisconsin, some mm -hmm. in individual, uh, I don't know if you can put an entire state in contempt of, of court, but yeah. to, to uh, uh, but then again, what does that get you? Again, right. your, to your point, voting is happening, and there's just only so much time up until um, November 8th. And I gotta say, Kathleen, this was a concern of mine, uh, even if the state had done what they promised, even if the state of Texas had done what they promised, and, and maybe we'll get to Kansas in a moment, because you also have uh, a court order being flagrantly violated by the uh, Republican Secretary of State down there, but even if uh, you know, everything has gone as it was supposed to. These photo ID laws seem to almost guarantee there will be havoc, there will be chaos on Election Day because they can be easily misunderstood and they can be, uh, you know, purposely misunderstood at the polling places. Uh, was this a concern of yours even, you know, in places like uh, Texas where they supposedly have this affidavit now that you can you can sign uh, and you're supposed to be given a, a, a regular ballot without challenge. Are you concerned that the rules are not clear, the rules are not being communicated uh, to poll workers in a way that we could see havoc on, uh, on November 8th? I am always concerned mm -hmm. about poll workers because I don't think in any state poll workers are... Um, well and consistently uh, trained across the board. Mm -hmm. There's a lot that they have to learn and do on Election Day. Uh, and so with they're not having sufficient training, uh, you know, the problem is that they then take it upon themselves mm -hmm. to be the judge and jury uh, uh, as to whether uh, someone's vote is going to count. Um, and so our North Star at, at Vote Riders is for voters to have a seamless voting experience. As a consequence, we have created and have available on our website, VoteRiders.org, uh, voter ID information wallet cards, wallet-sized cards, mm. for all 50 states plus D.C., in English and in Spanish, and each state's card shows, uh, you know, the highlights mm -hmm. of the kinds of IDs and the restrictions that apply to them uh, for each state. So we're working with many, many, many organizations and are very hopeful of getting these cards into the hands of as many voters as possible so that they will have confidence that they have the right ID to vote uh, and so that they do indeed vote. And if they are 
confronted by a misinformed poll worker that they've got something in their hand that says, well, look here, it says <laughs> that this is okay, this is what I have. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, a big problem with these voter ID laws is the confusion that, that they create mm-hmm. and the intimidation that flows from that leading to not just the people who don't have a valid ID to vote in their state, but to uh, that, again, confusion and intimidation that leads people to not vote at all, even though they have the requisite ID in their state. Yeah, or they don't know that uh, even if they don't have it, that they can still vote because there's this new affidavit process that, you know, was put in place down in Texas and and in some of the other states. But it is, yeah, it seems like it it can so easily be used to confuse voters. Uh, I know you guys have been focusing on Wisconsin and getting out the news of this out of Wisconsin has been... uh, really important uh what other states are are, are, are there any uh, i know all 50 are probably of concern here but uh, in particular is there one or two states uh that come to mind where where vote riders is paying particular attention this year uh well uh yes uh so uh we are working with project vote mm-hmm. uh so that uh there are they've put in place uh some statewide coordinators mm-hmm. uh, dealing with voter ID and voter registration as well in, in, uh, in Arizona, Georgia, North Carolina, Virginia. So we're working uh, with those sto- states as well. Okay. Uh, in uh, Texas, we continue to have a lot of dealings with, with folks there. Um, uh, and and I bring up about North Carolina, even though, as you had discussed earlier, yeah. that this, that the law had been struck and that had been struck down. Uh, the fact is, as we've just discussed, there's enormous confusion. So yeah. uh, it, it's just uh, very valuable. Uh, there's uh, New Hampshire, uh, Indiana, uh, those and Florida. The, New Hampshire and mm-hmm. Indiana and Florida also have, uh, you know, uh, onerous voter ID laws, uh, and then uh, there are issues in in Ohio. We're also keeping an eye on Pennsylvania, which again does not have a voter ID uh, law per se, but it, it does have certain requirements so that uh, for you to register to vote. Mm-hmm. Uh, certain, you know, identification. Which is, I had uh, I had mentioned Kansas uh, a, a second ago. Kansas, we've been uh, covering uh, Chris Kobach down there mm-hmm. in, in Kansas, uh, who has uh, refused to enroll uh, tens of thousands of, of voters uh, to to put them on the list so they can vote with a, a, a regular ballot, even though court after court, we had two different court rulings this week, both federal and state court, ordering him to put these people onto the rolls, at least a minimum of 18,000 voters uh, who he refuses to sign up as full voters because they haven't uh, presented proof of citizenship papers. 
Uh, and uh, and he was supposed to actually uh, come into court. I think they might not have an agreement, but he, he was uh, ordered by the court uh, to, to appear on Friday to explain why he should not be held in contempt, despite court after court telling them to, uh, uh, you know, telling the state of Kansas to put these voters onto the rolls. Uh, you know, I know that many proponents of, of photo ID voting restrictions who are almost always Republican, by the way, uh, many of them have said, you know, hey, Democrats and hey, voting rights advocates, just make make sure everyone has the vote, uh, the, the ID that they need. Why are you going to court? Why don't you just make sure that everyone has an ID? It's good for them anyway. But, you know, Democrats have actual campaigning to do uh, and, you know, and to spend money on. And, and correct me if I'm wrong here, Kathleen, but wasn't vote writers uh, initially created to help folks get to the polls in the first place versus spending all your time and effort and money and, and limited resources just to make sure that folks have the ID uh, that they now need to vote in many places, much less get to the polls uh, uh, to vote, you know, at all. It's like, how many hoops do you got to jump through here? Actually, Vote Writers is the only organization that focuses exclusively on voter ID. Mm-hmm. That has always been our laser focus, okay. helping citizens on the ground because there are other organizations that just do a great, great job in so many other areas that, that impact voting rights. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in early 2011, I could just see that, the, uh, that there would be a tsunami of voter ID laws heading our way. Mm-hmm. And I knew from all of my past uh, work in, in voter integrity and voter protection that uh, none of the existing organizations were set up to actually uh, help citizens until and unless Mm. any of these laws were overturned or or mitigated. So that is what we do. And uh, with regard to Kansas, uh, (laughs) it does show what a a potential contempt of court might do to focus the mind about uh, uh, you know, making sure that the, the trains run on time. Yeah. So it is uh, great that these Kansas voters now are uh, going to be able to uh, vote and vote on a regular ballot. Uh, but importantly, in all these states, is actually letting people know. You know, it's, it's as the Fifth Circuit, as you mentioned earlier, uh, in their... Um, uh, ruling with regard to the Texas voter ID law Mm -hmm. put it uh, the state is obligated to educate voters about the 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 new leniency in these in the voter ID law in quote in a meaningful way so uh, that holds true frankly everywhere uh, but uh, nowhere is it uh, really done uh, properly. Yeah. And, and, and it just if I could just say one sure. thing, you know, to me, this is, these voter ID laws are an unfunded mandate on citizens, mm-hmm. okay? Mm-hmm. If it, if it, the, the states make these laws, and, and all these uh, folks who are at risk, whom you mentioned earlier, you know, voters of color and 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 uh, older drivers, elderly—I mean, not drivers, uh, older adults, mm-hmm. and, 
uh, young people, uh, people with disabilities, um, and low people with low income across the board. Uh, just there's so many people who don't have the wherewithal to to take time off from from work. They don't have the they don't have the funds. They you know they they're not they're, they don't have a current driver's license. Right. If they did, this would not be an issue for and, them. And not to mention those who do, those who are able to figure out a way to take time off work and to go through the process. We've reported on this show, and you know Ari uh, Berman highlights a, a bunch of these folks uh, in his report today, and, and has now for uh, for years as well. When people do take the time, they can still show up at the DMV, do everything right, and still be denied. Uh, you know, and, and some of them have spent hundreds and uh, sometimes thousands of dollars and still can't come up with the ID that's required under these laws. I want to I got to get out, uh, Kathleen, but I want to uh, point folks uh, also, in addition to the card you uh, suggest downloading, people should know it. Uh, this happened during the primary. I'm, I'm presuming Google will do this again. But uh, during the primary, you were able to type in into a Google search window voter ID and the name of your state, and it would give you the latest uh, requirements in your particular state. I'm assuming and hoping they're going to do that again. But I'm uh, very concerned about places like Kansas, like Wisconsin, like Texas, like all of these places, even when they say they will follow the law, we've seen evidence that they haven't. So it's really key that folks know the law and stay in touch uh, and support, frankly, groups like uh, VoteWriters.org. I know uh, you guys are, uh, you know, working with very limited resources. I would encourage folks to go to VoteWriters.org and donate today. This is going to be a very difficult month. I can't wait until it's all over, but... uh, (laughs) But I'm really glad that, uh, Kathleen, that uh, you and and the other vote writers are are doing what you're doing. So thank you for all of that. Well, thank you so much. And and I do hope that that people will uh, actually check out the uh, voter ID Mm -hmm. information wallet card on our site for their state, because I guarantee they are precisely accurate. I spent lots of time talking to the departments of elections in these various states to to nail it down. So you, there you, you go. You may have to make a few more edits between now and November 8th, but we'll see. Kathleen right. <laughs> Kathleen Unger, president of VoteWriters.org, uh, and you can find uh, them also on the Twitters at simply VoteWriters. Kathleen, thanks for joining us today. Uh, good Thank luck. Thank you, Brad. We'll be in touch, I suspect. Okay, wonderful. Appreciate it. Bye-bye. You bet. Actually, not so wonderful. It would be great if we didn't have to talk uh, to any of these folks uh, fighting for your right to vote. It's kind of amazing that we even have to do this year after year, election after election. But I guess we do. Speaking of year after year, Desi Doyen, you're up next with our latest Green News report. Stand by. I'm Brad Friedman. This is the Bradcast. Hey, this is Brad. What the public hears over the public airwaves matters. Without an informed electorate, we've got, well, we've got what we have right now. We do our best on the broadcast five days a week to balance that with accurate reporting on issues that actually matter. We don't always get it right, but we try like hell to do so. And we do it all independently and without the influence of corporate or political funding. But we can't do it without you. Please don't presume others will step up. We need you to help us keep doing what Desi Doyen and myself try to do every day on the broadcast. 
Please help us continue to do so by going to bradblog.com slash donate to help keep the broadcast going and telling the truth over your public airwaves. That's bradblog.com slash donate. Don't wait. Please stop by today. Thanks. Hey, Desi Doyen, do you think there'll be any uh, questions on the uh, climate and the environment in the uh, upcoming vice presidential debate? You know, I doubt it. Do you think there'll be any in the uh, two presidential debates that follow that? I'd be shocked. I would be shocked after all of these years. Uh, But maybe. It's got to come up. It's got to. Anyway, uh, let's talk about the the previous uh, presidential debate in our latest Green News report. Some country is going to be the clean energy superpower of the 21st century. Clinton promotes climate and clean energy. I think it's real. I, I did I not. Science I not. is real. I do not say that. And while Trump denies denial in the first presidential debate. Plus, coal industry tries to kill Obama's landmark power plant emission standards in federal court. All of those killers and more straight ahead. From Bradblog.com, I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyen. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. I agree with her on one thing. Oh, good. Single greatest problem the world has is... Global warming? Is it global warming? Nuclear armament. Damn. Not global warming like you think and your your president thinks. My president? Isn't he your president too? Wait, where are you from? Damn it. We do need to build that wall. This is your Green News Report. Okay, Desi Doyen, the first presidential debate, and surprise, surprise, no questions about climate change, but it managed to come up anyway somehow or another. Yeah, no questions at all from debate moderator Lester Holt. That was the first presidential debate, not even on energy, not even as a matter of national security. But as you said, Democratic presidential nominee and former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton brought it up herself, drawing a stark contrast between the two major party candidates on climate, clean energy and jobs. Take clean energy. Some country is going to be the clean energy superpower of the 21st century. Donald thinks that climate change is a hoax perpetrated by the Chinese. I think it's real. Uh, I did I not. Science I, do not. Is real. I do not say that. And I think it's I do important not say that. that we grip this and deal with it. We can deploy a half a billion more solar panels. We can have enough clean energy to power every home. We can build a new modern electric grid. That's a lot of jobs. That's a lot of new economic activity. Now, first, to Clinton's point, upgrading our aging electric grid alone and hardening against cyber attacks will create thousands of jobs that cannot be outsourced to other countries, as will building resilience into our infrastructure for increasingly frequent extreme weather events accelerated by climate change. Who asked you to be a fact checker? (laughs) Well, for his part, it is very well documented that Republican presidential nominee Donald Trump has called climate change a hoax numerous times after denying his denial. While Clinton was speaking, Trump then misled uninformed voters and cast doubt on the booming success of the U.S. renewable energy sector. She talks about solar panels. Uh, We invested in a solar company, our country. That was a disaster. They lost plenty of money on that one. Now, look, I'm a great believer in all forms of energy, but we're putting a lot of people out of work. Our energy policies are a disaster. 
our country is losing so much in terms of energy. All right, Miss Fact Checker, what do you got? <laughs> well, he was probably referring to that one bankruptcy of that one solar company, Solyndra, five years ago. But he seems to be genuinely unaware of the fact that the solar industry is now the fastest growing job sector in the U.S. It's like all he does is watch Fox News or something. Trump wants to roll back environmental protections for air and water and increase drilling for fossil fuels. Oh, he definitely watches Fox News. He also clearly does not know much about the U.S. energy sector because he's been promising to increase coal mining while simultaneously increasing fracking for natural gas. But those two fossil fuels compete directly with each other. So it's a fantasy. So the reason coal is in trouble is not because uh, Obama and Clinton and their war on coal, but because fracking has now become cheaper than digging for coal. Yes, and the rest of the world is moving away from coal, too. Oh, yeah, there's that. Clinton has proposed a $30 billion economic transition plan to help put coal country back to work on clean energy, but Trump has proposed nothing. So far, the corporate media continues to be allergic to questions about climate change and energy in the presidential debates. So far, even though it draws bright line contrasts between the two major party candidates. And here we are again, four years later, after four years before that, still talking about the idea that that none of these moderators will bring up climate change or global warming in a presidential debate. Meanwhile, President Obama's landmark standards to cap carbon emissions from dirty power plants got its hearing before the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals this week. The Clean Power Plan allows states to decide for themselves how best to cut their power plant emissions. Tyranny. But coal states like West Virginia and the coal industry have jointly sued to stop it, arguing it's federal overreach. Now, if the appeals court overturns the plan, it will make it very difficult difficult for the U.S. to cut our greenhouse gas emissions in time to avoid catastrophic global warming. And it is also a key component of our international commitment that led other countries like China to follow our lead. So the case is likely headed to the evenly divided Supreme Court, and the balance of that court, and pretty much the fate of the world, is up to the next president. Oh, that's all. No pressure. For much more on all of these stories and the ones we couldn't get to today... Check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. Don't forget, you can download our reports anytime via Stitcher, TuneIn, or iTunes. Find us and follow us on the Facebooks and the Twitters at Green News Report. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. And this has been your Green News Report. You know, everything feels better when you end it with David Bowie or Queen. <laughs> I know. Thank you very much, Desi Doyen, our producer, and also to my guest today, Kathleen Unger of VoteWriters.org. And my thanks to you, our listeners, for tuning in and uh, spending a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion of this or any other broadcast, you can download every single one of them for free at bradblog.com or over at iTunes. Uh, say something nice about us over there, will you? Make it easier for everyone else to find us as well. You can drop me an email if you like. I am bradcast at bradblog.com, and I'm on the Facebooks and the Twitters at the Bradblog. That is it. Until we meet again, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. Hey!